Oh, it's true, God. We cry out holy because you alone are worthy of even that description. You're good. You're full of mercy. You're just. You're kind. You are so great, so magnificent. We actually can't even begin to comprehend. And yet here we are in your presence by your Holy Spirit. And we say thanks, God, for hearing our praises as we've been singing, um, for witnessing your work in Jai's life, God, for knowing that you are the one who meets us here, the one who transforms us, the one who longs to speak to us even now. And so as we come to share together, as we look at your words, God, help us to hear from you, um, to experience you here in this place, we pray. Amen. Please take a seat. Um, It seems like a rookie thing to do on a night where we're having some tech problems to start off with something really technological, but we're going to give it a go anyway, because... Well, you got to live a little, right? So um, tonight, we are, you're going to help me kick off the sermon because we're going to have a game of Kahoot. If you have done this before, you'll know what to do. But if you haven't, it's really simple. If you've got a phone um, that can access the internet, you just need to type into your browser, um, kahoot.it. And then once you type that in, it will ask you to enter that code. So 405566. Then it's going to ask you to give a name. James is already in there, which is great. Um, That's the the only time people are going to see your name, okay? So your identity will be hidden with the questions that we ask. Um, But you can just jump on and join in now. As you do, we'll just be added up. Um, But we're going to ask you just three questions tonight, part of our Kahoot little survey that we're about to do. So I'll let you have a chance just to get locked in. Love the emojis. Good work. When we um, were testing this out before the service, I was in the back room, we put it up, and Jesus himself actually logged in. I don't know who that was. Sorry that we blocked you out of the room, but I thought that was a pretty cool name to put in there. Okay, how are we going? Let's use some old school technology and thumbs up if you're in. Great, good. We're going to call it. If you've missed out on jumping in, that's okay. You can still answer with your neighbor, but we'll start. Thanks, Sam. We're going to give this a go um, and get ready for your three questions. These are all about how ready do you have to be? How do you know you're ready, okay? So how do you know you're ready to move out of home? Your four options are you can cook using something other than a microwave. You're able to keep a plant alive for longer than three days. I think that's a pretty low expectation. Um, You know the difference between a dishwasher and a washing machine? Or you know the difference between the bathroom floor and a washing machine? One of those four options for you guys. We're just taking a poll to see which one you think is going to give you enough confidence to move out of home. Going good with the survey. A few more seconds if you haven't had a chance yet. (laughs) I feel like these questions are actually just going to get harder for you as well, so I hope you're prepared for that, but um, here we go. A few more seconds, and we're going to find out the most popular answer for how you know you're ready to move out of home is definitely that you can cook using something other than a microwave. 
which I think is quite interesting because a microwave can do a lot of amazing things these days. But okay, let's have a look at the next question. How do you know you're ready to be a full-time professional Instagrammer? It's grandparents' day today, and we're talking about how technology has changed. People can actually have a full-time job this way. Um, you get thousands of likes just posting a picture of a toothpick. Random people ask your advice on the best restaurants and coffee spots. You know the subtle but important difference between hashtag blessed and hashtag bless. Um, you have a sponsor willing to fund you following your dream. What's it going to be? Professional full-time Instagrammer. The way of the future. Maybe you could be like a full-time pastor on Instagram. Jodes? Is that your calling? No, okay. I do think it's amazing how many likes you can get for random photos. I almost want to do an experiment one day to see if a toothpick will actually get thousands of likes. Here we go. Let's see what you guys think. I suspect it's going to be the green one, but you might surprise me. And the winner is definitely the green because financial backing is always a good thing, right? Okay, final question for our Kahoot survey. This is a good one. How do you know you're ready to audition for The Voice? And I know you want to. Um, okay, someone other than your mum thinks you're good at singing. You're at least as talented as the Purple Wiggle. You know all the words to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and what they mean. Your grandma asks you to sing at her retirement village carols concerts. Oh, bless grandma. See, that's awesome. How do you know you're ready for The Voice? Anyone want to do a karaoke moment while we're waiting, just to see if you can test us out with a sample? No takers? No. <laughs> I wouldn't either. I totally understand that. Here we go. Suspense is building, isn't it? A few more seconds to go. And the winner for The Voice. Surprise, surprise, it's that other people besides your mum think you're good at singing. I think that's probably a good judgment to hold as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking part in our Kahoot survey to kick us off. How do you know you're ready? Um, it does have something to do with what I'm about to talk about, although none of those three topics in particular. But as um, Jono said, we, we kicked off a series. We're talking about a theme of things last week, this week, and next week. Um, and so if you are new to church, oh, you've all just disappeared can we have the lights up just a little bit, if that's okay? Um, if you're new to church or you don't regularly come to church, um, we really do hope you feel really welcome here. We love just doing life together. As Jono said, um, our whole purpose in gathering together is to celebrate Jesus because our lives have been changed by him and to share Jesus with other people. So we want you to get to know Jesus, but we want you to feel really comfortable here as we do the journey. And hopefully tonight, you'll get to hear a little bit as about why we are passionate about Jesus and why we want to share him as well. Because this part of the series... If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, um, is all about the fact that God is inviting us to play a part in transforming people's lives. In fact, we can see right from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was pretty much making this statement, this is what following Jesus is all about. He called people to come and do the journey with him when he lived on this earth. And in Matthew 4, we read about this account where he called one of his disciples and said, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. 
So that was the beginning of his ministry journey. Three years he walked with these people he called his disciples. And then at the end of his ministry, he actually gave them an instruction that has become known as the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So he's telling them you're part of something. And then actually just before he leaves to return to heaven in Acts 1, we read that Jesus' final instructions to his disciples were this. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, actually, the known world we know now, you're going to go and tell them about Jesus, and even right to the unknown parts of the world. That's your job to do. Because the reality is, the Christian journey is more than a moment of realizing our deep need for Jesus. It's more than that time where we actually come to understand that we are broken, and there's something inside of us that can't be fixed in our own right. We're messed up, we've sinned, we've, we broke, even our best efforts just don't measure up. And we understand that actually Jesus said, come, not clean yourself up and come, but come as you are. And in that moment, we realize that his death and his resurrection is actually what we needed to be made whole and forgiven. And so we get given eternal life. The eternity for us is secure because we get to spend it with God. We get forgiven right there in that moment. We get joy and grace and hope and freedom and amazing things that come in part of this Christian journey. Life forevermore and life amazing now in Jesus. But the Christian journey is more than that. There's this crazy idea, it seems, in the Christian journey that actually we're not just people who get our eternity, eternal destiny secured and we just get to chill here while we wait, but actually we are people who are called up into something so much greater than ourselves, something incredible, that the end result of our Christian journey is actually that we would be missionaries, we would be on mission, we would be part of what God is unfolding, we'd be on about the things of Jesus. We'd be sharing the good news of Jesus, who he is and what he has done with all people. Jesus said to his first disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus told his followers, go, make disciples. His last instructions were to be witnesses of him, to tell people everywhere about him. And the truth is, for people who have trusted Jesus, who he is and what he has done, who follow him, the only difference between a Christian here and a missionary overseas is location. We have exactly the same call, the same job to do, the same task to fulfill. We have the same purpose beating in our hearts. We are to share the news of Jesus, of who he is, of what he's done. And that is an amazing, amazing privilege. And it's great to mention and unpack like that. But actually, I feel like when we hear those things, we hear this as an amazing adventure we could have, but there's some roadblocks that we hit along the way. Yeah, we want to do that, but how do we know if we're ready? How do we know if we're ready to share Jesus with others? And the inner dialogue for you might be one of these things, could be something different as well. But maybe it's, I'm not sure I'm the best person for that job. If I were to find myself in a conversation about faith, I'm not sure what I would even say. 
or how I would go about it. I'm actually pretty scared. I don't know enough. I'm not mature enough spiritually. I'm not old enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not holy enough. I've still got sin in my life I need to sort out before I can be any use to God. I'm not clever enough. I don't have the right words. I'm not brave enough. I understand that God wants me to tell others about him, but I'm not ready yet. I think God wants to use the future version of me, the one who's more courageous, has got more skills, the version of me that's better than I am right now, the more holy one, the more mature me. But if that were true, if God's only interested in the future version of you, well, how do you know when that future version is ready either? What are we supposed to do? Because the reality is Jesus was pretty clear that people who follow him have been called into this grand plan and this great commission that God gave, as Charles Swindle says, is not a great suggestion. It's actually something we are prompted to do, compelled to do. So how do we resolve this? How do we know we're ready? Do we need to study more? Should we be more disciplined in our spiritual life? Do we need to work harder at it? Well, yes, there are definitely things that we can do as we're trained up more, as we think about questions people are asking, as we read, as we discuss things. Yes, our skill set might get better, but there's something more that we can see when Jesus spoke to the very people he gave these instructions to in the first place. And so I want to take a look at that right now. Who did Jesus speak these words to originally? In Acts chapter 1, um, this is the, the final kind of moments that Jesus has with his disciples, and he'd said to them, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So these disciples, these were people that Jesus literally went up to and, and called from what they were doing and said, come and follow me. A small group of people he'd invited to do the journey with him. He'd talked with them, he'd lived alongside them for three, three and a half years. Now, given that they were chosen by Jesus to hang with him, it's probably easy for us to assume that they were in that stable age of life, not old, but not young. Do you know what I mean? Not too young to be used, but definitely in that I've learned the life lessons, I'm holding down a good job, I'm a mature citizen. Was that what made them ready? Is that what made them ready for this big call that Jesus gave them? Well, the truth is the disciples were most likely teenagers. When you look back through Jewish history and the regimented educational practice for Jewish boys, you can see that there's actually a pattern of, of things where they were, their life would kind of follow set milestones. When they were five, they would learn the scriptures. At 10, they would be taught the Mishnah, which was further details of the commands that weren't written down, but they would learn them. At 13 years of age, they would then take on the responsibility of fulfilling those commandments. And then at 15, they would get the Talmud, which was an additional teaching that guided their daily living, more commandments to live by. And then at 18, they were deemed ready for the bride chamber. They were ready to be married. Well, interestingly, Matthew 8 verse 14 tells us this. Jesus came into Peter's house. Peter is one of the disciples, and he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. Other than Peter... None of the other disciples seemed to be married when Jesus called them. Now, it could be a reasonable assumption then that Peter was probably the oldest of the disciples, 
Um, and that's probably why he was given a lot of responsibility of that group as well. And that maybe the other disciples were most likely under the bride chamber age, not yet 18 years of age. Well, maybe they were teenagers, so they weren't ready because their age requirement was met. But probably they were the best of the bunch, spiritually speaking. Maybe that's how Jesus knew they were ready. They aced the religion tests. They knew all there was to know about God and scriptures, and that made them ready for the mission call-up. Well, actually, the disciples probably didn't measure up, spiritually speaking, in their culture and time either. A guy called Rick Thiessen has said this about the time. If you were 15 and done with your basic training in Torah, a boy who was bright enough or whose parents were rich enough would find a rabbi to take them on as a student. You'd have to show proficiency, and it's assumed many students had very large portions of the law and prophets committed to memory. If your son didn't merit this honor, they would enter the workforce by their mid-teens, and in almost every case, apprentice under their fathers in the family trade. So when Jesus chose his disciples, he actually called most of them from their workplace. He chose teenagers who were not able to cut it in the religious system of their day. People who were actually rejected by the religious leaders, and Jesus chose them. So how did Jesus know that they were ready? If it wasn't about meeting an age requirement, and it wasn't about making it in the spiritual scene, how did Jesus know? He spent three to three and a half years with his disciples, and his final words to them as he's about to leave them is to send them out as church planters and missionaries. And it wasn't because they'd reached the right age requirement or they'd learned enough. There was a whole lot more learning to happen. It wasn't even that they were skilled enough or that they had managed to pass all the tests. In fact, if you look at the disciples in the last week of Jesus' life before he died on the cross, you will see actually that they were fearful, they hid, they felt inadequate, they failed. Peter denied Jesus. The disciples fell asleep when they asked them to stay watch with him. Thomas doubted him. They all deserted him at the cross. And even after being given specific instructions about waiting in Jerusalem, when Jesus had been resurrected, he found them back working at their previous jobs. So how did Jesus know that these disciples were ready for this big call? They weren't seeming to measure up. Well, Acts 1 verse 8 tells us something really interesting. I've read to you the second part because I feel like that's the part we often see, what our job is, that we are to be Jesus' witnesses, telling people about him everywhere, right to the very ends of the earth. But actually, it's the first part of this verse that tells us how we knew that Jesus was, how Jesus knew they were ready to do it. And it wasn't about what the disciples could do. It's actually about what they were given. Because in Acts 1 verse 8, it starts with, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying that, Jesus literally is taken up into a cloud while they watch. Interestingly, The disciples um, disappear in the early first century from history records because most of them died for their faith. But history does record what they did. They actually took Christianity all over the known world. They started out not too well, but they ended strong. 
Here's just an example of some of them. Matthew took the message of Jesus to Ethiopia, Philip to Phrygia, Bartholomew to Armenia, Andrew to Russia, Thomas, doubting Thomas, took the good news all the way to East India. These people didn't feel adequate. Actually, if we looked at all the things that probably would be roadblocks for us, still went. What made the difference for them? How were they ready? It was actually in what they were given, in who they were given, in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God. Ephesians 1 actually tells us that. It says this in verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand and in the heavenly realms. That same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead comes into our lives the moment that we trust our lives to Jesus, that we trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. We are given the power of God. God wants to use you and me today, not our future version of ourselves, but actually today to impact the people around us. And I want to tell you that doesn't mean that we are no longer going to be afraid or feel inadequate. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with sin in our lives. It doesn't mean that we're always going to have the right words to say. It doesn't even mean that we're not going to feel inadequate or that there is even someone else who's better able to do it than us. It doesn't mean any of those things. But what it does mean is this. The Holy Spirit in us is enough. We have the power of God in us. And while we might carry this list of other things around with us, the Holy Spirit trumps them all. God knows we're ready to be part of his great rescue plan because he's literally given us the power to do it. To help you understand this a little bit more, I want to give you an analogy. Imagine there's a building on fire, um, and in the top room of the fire is a person who's trapped up there. And you are downstairs, out, just outside the door, and you see the flames, and you know you have to get through the flames to be able to get to the person. Now, you are not a trained firefighter. You are not skilled, you haven't had the training, you feel afraid, you feel inadequate, you are, you are realizing that you versus a fire is not going to go very well. But imagine if, in that moment where you feel not ready to help, you look and you see that beside you, you have all the equipment you need. You have the personal um, protective equipment that a firefighter would wear. You would put it on this fire-resistant clothing. You get a helmet. You have compressed air so you can breathe. And you take a step, still scared, still not trained, still feeling inadequate for the task, but yet still aware of the great need of the person needing saving. And you're now ready. What changed? Not your feelings, not your training, but actually what you've been given. You have been given the tools to be able to walk through the fire to be able to get to the person. It is the same reality for us. We have been called into this great, big rescue mission of God. We will feel inadequate and afraid and not necessarily well-trained always, although we can work on those things. But what makes a difference for us is actually understanding it's who we have been given in the Holy Spirit. We um, are doing this series 
as part of a Young Adult Connect. And so from some people who are doing that on a Wednesday night or maybe the other groups will be watching a video this week. Um, but I realise not everybody is able to see that. And this week's session is actually by a lady called Danielle Strickland. And I wanted to share with you just a snippet of her story because she actually highlights the reality of this so clearly in her own journey of understanding that God genuinely wants to use us in his great rescue mission. So we're going to watch that clip now. I walk it through like really basic, what I would describe as the world's worst gospel presentation. I just say, you know, God loves you, not you screwed up, like, oh, it's okay, Jesus. And then like, you know, do you want to follow him? And I remember her looking at me and just saying, yeah, I really would. And I said, oh, I, I don't think you understood it. So I started again and I did it again. But this time I didn't just read the headings. I read like the little paragraphs and some of the scriptures. And I got to the end and I said, you know, do you want to follow Jesus? And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, I, I really would. And I said, I, I don't think you understood it. And I did it again, you know, and I, and this time I did, I read all of it, even the little tiny print, even like the little asterisks. I even acted out one of the diagrams in the tract. And then at the end, very graciously, I finally let Fatima give her heart and life to Jesus. And the, the next day when I was reading my Bible, because I had to, I, I couldn't read it. I was actually crying and I was like, what's going on with me? And I realized that I had believed that God could save anyone because he saved me. I got that. But what would change my life and the trajectory of where my life would go is when I realized that God could use me to help save someone. That's when everything changed in terms of what I did with my life. It's incredible, actually. If you get to see her whole story, just amazing life transformation. But it's, that's what God's in the business of doing. And she's said clearly there, actually, she wants you to be able to travel back because she wants you to realize not in the now learned, um, cleaned up version of herself does God just use her now, but actually way back at the beginning when she'd only just come to know Jesus herself, right then God invited her into the journey of sharing Jesus with other people. Tonight, we've had the great privilege of hearing Jai's story of, of his own discovery of Jesus' love and how he transformed his own life, and now the passion to want to share that with others and the, the opportunities that God is opening up for him to do that. And I love what you said, Jai. You said you didn't share it to boast, but to thank God, that God has done these things through him and that he has given him a deeper understanding of his grace and his love, and that is the journey that we're on. We have this great invitation to do just what Jai is doing, to do what Danielle is doing, to do what Christians all over the world are doing, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. God's inviting us to play a part in, a transforming, in transforming people's lives, and he's doing that because we know when we meet Jesus, actually everything does change. It's an incredible thing when we realize that not just that we need forgiveness, but that forgiveness has been freely given made possible, that our whole lives are turned upside down because of that, that we're free, that there's joy and there's purpose and there's hope. And when we truly realize that we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, we, we just simply received it because we realized what Jesus has made possible. When we know that truth, we don't want to keep that to ourselves. We actually can't because we know what it's like to be lost. And now we know what it's like to be found. And there is a world desperately searching for that answer. And so that is why, that is why when we find Jesus, he doesn't just suck us up to heaven, 
but he leaves us here because we have an incredible purpose to play, but not because we are suddenly perfect and not because we are the right age or we have all the great skill sets. And that doesn't mean that we don't hone those skills or we start asking questions or we seek the questions people are asking. We do those things, but we understand it is the power of God at work in us and through us that has the ability to transform our world. And so we want to be part of what God is doing, and he is inviting us into that. And so tonight, as we finish, I'm going to invite you to stand, because I want to pray for us on this great call that God's given us. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song that reminds us about who we are in him, what he's made possible. But why don't you join with me as I pray right now? Oh God, we do thank you. If it was left up to our own devices, we, well... It would be a scary place. We are incapable, but you are the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And when we think about your heart for this world, that you held nothing back, but you sent your son Jesus, that we could know life, know forgiveness, know freedom, not just eternity with you, but life here and now, peace, and kindness and gentleness, all because of you at work in us. And we know, God, life with you is what life is really meant to be. And so here we stand tonight, those of us who know and love you, reminded again that actually you are the center of the story. We often feel inadequate. We often feel like we don't have the words or the skills or the courage. Maybe there's a whole list of barriers for us. But Jesus, tonight I'm asking you to help us to put our trust in you, just as we did for the first time to, to follow you, but now to live this life out in you as well, knowing that you are the one who gives us the power to do it. And God, we know that our community, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our families, they desperately need you. And so we don't want to hold this news to ourselves. We don't want to hoard it here and say that we're safe, but we want to be people out on mission, God sharing the light and love of who you are. So help us to do that in this season ahead that you have given us heading towards Christmas, God. So many opportunities in our individual lives when we go to work in our neighborhoods and families. Help us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And God, we are asking that you would do something amazing, something more than we've ever seen you do, God. Transformation of people's hearts and lives, we pray. And so now, Lord, we want to look to you we recognize it's all come from you. It's all through you. It's all for you. And so we're just going to spend some time now just praising your name again, saying thank you for who you are and what you've done. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Love the words of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus speaking says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses everywhere, it says in the NLT. Everywhere. And this is the great privilege, the great joy. No greater joy, in fact, in life, but to be able to show someone else, speak to someone else about the grace and the love of Jesus, our Saviour. And so I want to pray for us as we close tonight and ask God, uh, if you already know this truth in your heart, that the Spirit of God would just come upon you and just enable you in ways maybe you never ever thought or imagined to share His love 
this very week, in fact. And that as we do that, God will put people's hearts, people's names on your heart, that you, uh, God's going to bring across your path, people you've been praying for maybe for many years, maybe somebody's going to bring to your heart right now, but I want to pray for us and ask God to do that. And the other thing I want to mention tonight as I pray as well, maybe you're here tonight and you saw Jai get baptized and declare that publicly and you're thinking, man, I've been thinking about that, I've been praying about that and you've been putting it off. Well, you've seen Jai's step tonight on his 18th birthday, well, I want to encourage you. If you've been thinking about it, don't put it off any longer. Come, talk to us afterwards. Make this the night. Just come and say to someone, yep, that's me. I want to know more about baptism. I want to get baptized. I would love nothing more than just see a whole stack of people over the coming months just coming through the waters of baptism here just saying, yes, I want to live for Jesus. I want to de- declare publicly and what a witness to share that as well. So let me pray for us as we close tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it is your Holy Spirit that empowers us. And so I pray now, right now, great God, for each and every person here who knows you personally, that you will anoint them by your Holy Spirit, great God. And we are praying, Lord, that as we are available, as we surrender ourselves, thank you, that's not about our ability, Lord, but it's all about our availability to be used by you, great God. And you want to use us. Help us to be open to be ready, sensitive to your Spirit's prompting, great God. I pray that you will do things in our lives here tonight. You'll open up conversations we never imagined would happen, opportunities, Lord, that you'd fill us with courage, Lord. You'd fill us with your love, fill us with your grace to share this message with others. I pray that. And for some here tonight, I believe you're calling out for baptism as well, Lord. I pray that tonight will be the night that say, yes, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to speak to someone tonight. I'm going to do that, declare Um, declare publicly my faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, this is our heart and we are praying over this next couple of months, Lord, that there will be a tremendous outpouring of your Spirit, Lord. Many more flooding into your kingdom. Many more knowing the good news of your love and your grace, the healing that is found in you, great God. This is our desire as your people. And so we pray this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. Hasn't it been an awesome night? Tonight, can we put our hands together as we thank Jesus, encourage Jai again tonight as well. You can grab a seat where you are. If you want prayer tonight, please do come and talk to us afterwards. If you want to know more about baptism, come and grab one of the pastors. Let us know. We'd love to share with you as well. God bless and we look forward to sharing with you next week. Thanks so much.